0: What's up, bro? Aye. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a rule that you have to use the two subs. He's he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt.
1: right and hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the third sub podcast episode 192 of the show and uh, we're back for a bit of a quicker episode this week but naturally you know the games are back and we had a live Vancouver Whitecaps soccer game to dive into last week and for myself luckily enough a match to dive into in person which is a whole different experience quite the the beautiful atmosphere out in Langford uh good showing of white caps fans good showing of Tigres fans we'll dive into that otherwise quite weak which is kind of nice i guess i suppose although um is it just me that's realizing mls starts in eight days and like 90 percent of the league doesn't have their new kits announced and like you know new signings coming through the the board so it feels like a very weird start to the mls season is on tap especially for the white caps right you get that buy uh, so it's it's going to be really weird to just tap into like some of these week one games, then Miami plays on a Wednesday in front of everyone just because they haven't, you know, run Messi into the ground yet uh, already one, <laughs> one week into uh, before preseason. But anyways, lots of topics, as you can imagine. But before we dive into all of the latest in the Whitecaps land, I'm your host, Alexander Kogiruzik, joined as always by Samuel Roan. And I mean... Sam, how's it going this week? Uh, on a brief interlude into a different Canadian province, I see.
0: Yeah, in in La Belle Plavence, at least for now. Um, enjoying all that there is the, the bread, the cheese, the uh the micro brasseries, There's there's lots of good stuff here. So I've been enjoying it just like I enjoyed that & Calf Champions Cup match um on on Vancouver Island last Wednesday. I mean, that was I think exceeded expectations in terms of we talked about in the last show how the Whitecaps, hey, they're still in preseason mode. Ultimately, the focus is on the regular season. You know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. And then I think the way the Whitecaps started to settle into that match and the way they were going toe to toe with Tigris, uh, able to score the opening goal, a lot of those very mature, very measured thoughts kind of went out the window and it was like, all right, here we go. They can win the tie. They're looking good. Uh, Ultimately, you know, Gignac's going to Gignac. And this is just, this is the kind of thing that happens in CONCACAF as well. It seems like uh, Liga and teams always, they've got a late goal in them. Uh, They're, you know, masters in the dark arts, finding a way to, to draw those fouls around the edge of the box, I think of all the all the little complaining and whining they did about not getting fouls. So you knew the moment the Whitecaps went in, snapping at the heels that that was always going to be a foul. Um, but you know, I, I think a result aside, obviously still a really positive result um, to be on 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 level footing going into the match down in Mexico this upcoming Wednesday. You know, it's just really positive signs for the start of the regular season. I think though Vanni Sartini has to feel like he's at very least on schedule in terms of what he'd like to see um, some of these new formational tweaks. Um, someone like Pedro Vite diving right back into the lineup, playing a little bit deeper, looking tremendous doing it. Uh, so we'll dive into some touching points of about the match itself. And then obviously that's going to feed into uh, the preview of the the second leg upcoming here, which is, you know, make no bones about it. It's gonna be incredibly difficult to emerge from the second leg. I, I think we all know that, but uh excited and uh, very encouraged with the White Caps uh, ability to put themselves in this position at the very least.
1: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, quite the quite the schedule. Uh, you know, the White Caps getting the Wednesday, February 14th matchup with Tigres, a little Valentine's Day date. Uh, let's just hope that jean uh, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't skip uh, skip all the details of their date and go to go go right to the end as he seemed to do for for the Whitecaps. He hasn't been uh, the kindest um, when it when it comes to to these sorts of moments. But uh, no, I, like jokes aside, uh, definitely it was it was fascinating. I think just just to kind of return to the game itself because I think the expectations were understandably super low. I mean. We were kind of mentioning like it was just something where for the whitecaps you're thinking like players are injured tigres is in mid-season form such a good team it felt like anything decent was going to be a surprise it was going to be a pleasant performance and i think this was good because we've spent a lot of time and i'm sure once we get in our season preview because technically we haven't done that with this brief champions cup interlude hopefully it lasts longer it's a, it's a fun journey and of course we'd like to see it extended but this season preview has kind of been centered around can the white caps be elite? They flirted with elite, but can they be elite? And I think this is another big step towards that. Because I think elite teams, as we see, don't need all their guys to win. Elite teams can go up against anyone and compete and play their style of play. And I think it was very telling uh, that the white caps not only played T-Grass, not only were competitive. Because I think those two things would have been a you know, would have been a surprise, would have been like, okay, that's the white caps for you. They can they can compete. They can be hanging games, but I was just impressed at how they played. Like the fact that, okay, the white caps hadn't played in four months in a competitive game, some new signings, you know, one of them even starting in a Demir Krylak. And that was the biggest thing that over the course of the 90 minutes, you could argue that for 70% of it, 60%, the white caps were dictating with their play. And what was cool is that we saw some different layers that we can kind of talk about. I think, we saw some exceptional on-ball play. We kind of come become used to this. This white caps team can attack, can generate chances. Uh, ultimately, it was a bit frustrating they were missing a final product because for all the joy they had in the attack, I think they barely cleared like one XG, if I'm not mistaken. Like they were just not getting that final pass. But man, they were attacking. They were, you know, one touch, two touch, fizzing it around. Could have had two, three, four goals. They scored a goal. Uh, which we were saying in the preview, would they even score a goal, let alone this? And I think that was encouraging. But then we can kind of talk about it as well as we go along. They were phenomenal off the ball. They were so disciplined with their shape, with keeping Tigres out of the dangerous areas. They were pressing. You know, there were, you know, we, how many times over the last four years, you're like, oh, we want to press, we want to press. And then the white caps just kind of sit, sit, sit back into their own, you know, own half. Meanwhile, now they're pressing, they're winning the ball back in the final third. They're getting 4v2, 4v3, 5v3, everything. Like there was just, it was the overall breadth of the performance, offensively, defensively, some of the new things we saw, some of the old things we saw. Uh, it, it was remarkable. And I think that's a, a good place to start that, yeah, seeing this game, I know it's just 90 minutes, just the first game of the year, but this kind of affirms what we know know about this team that they can be elite. Well, I think they had a they took a big step towards okay, this is a reason why many people feel this season they can actually take that that jump forward.
0: yeah, so at a risk of uh, jumping on the bandwagon too soon and you know over evaluating one match, I wrote a couple things. Uh, early this off season, sort of setting up, I, I think the tone that we've had on the podcast, right, which is that this team wasn't that far away from being in that MLS Cup contender range last season. And that our our thought was, you know, what can they do to push to take those couple steps to move into that MLS Cup contender class? And, you know, had a couple of people in the comments kind of go, dryly like oh i wasn't aware they were that close to being an mls cup contender and i i think honestly you look at this match against tigris and you kind of go well there you go that this is a team coming off an off season less than 100% don't even have you know missing a couple key players really three three key players and we're still able to put in as you described alex a, a multifaceted performance it wasn't uh bunker and one lucky goal on the counter it wasn't all about possession. And then the Whitecaps were out of ideas when they were out of possession. They were very disciplined, as you said, tactically. Um, I think that's something that over the course of Annie Sartini's time in charge has really changed. I think they were full of great tactical ideas when he started, but the discipline was quite lacking. Like they didn't, they didn't stick with the plan. And I think now there's, there's real belief and understanding and um, the the level of discipline they show is really impressive. I mean, for me, that, uh, the Fafa Pico and Ryan Gald pressing moments really stands out. Uh, genuinely. I mean, this is, you know, this is a Mexican team in Tigris. There's a, there's teams like Leon that, you know, press the, you know, what out of you. And even so, I think they were caught a bit off guard by, uh, the aggressiveness at times, just how, how physical the white caps were. Um, just not even just in pressing, but in like all those little fifty-fifties interactions. I think that was something that stood out to me as well. So yeah, I think all of these things show at least the the capability to, you know, compete at a really high level in MLS this season and uh ultimately, you know, to to at least fight down down in Mexico on Wednesday night. And uh I almost don't know what to, to cheer for at this point because uh, as much as it would be nice for the Whitecaps to progress you almost want them to to focus their resources on the the MLS campaign um, and, and I think something yeah I already mentioned Fafa but um, for Demir Krylak to hit the ground running the way he did and to show signs of chemistry with Brian White and Ryan gold already I think that's something that you probably were expecting at least I was maybe week five week six of the MLS season all of a sudden it starts to pick up but it, there were little, little slivers there. Um, I think that maybe contributes a little bit ultimately towards the lack of, you know, XG creation where they, they weren't a hundred percent in the same page, but to, to see those sparks already at this point, I think was very encouraging. Um, And like you said, uh, and I'll shout out Caleb Wilkins who tweeted this out in the preseason, it seems like the shapes, the white caps are playing in uh, the way they're playing this season they're getting a lot of those 4v2, 5v3 breaks, um, and they obviously have the players to capitalize and punish teams in those opportunities. And I think especially when you get Adekubi and Ahmed back in the fold, you know, guys that can can spark a transition moment, it's, it's just going to become all the more dangerous. So, yeah, positive signs from this match. And, and I guess the one thing I would say, too, for kind of evaluating the overall performance is that excuse me there were a couple Whitecaps players who really struggled in this one chiefly I think yeah yeah Luis Martins it was mixed where Alessandro Schopf it was you know he was pretty off color in this one but those are two players that you probably don't want in the regular lineup for the Vancouver Whitecaps and they were able to survive that it wasn't like uh there were moments where you you were probably hoping for a little bit better but they weren't exposed in those positions um, which I think speaks to the depth Uh, and again just the way Vanny's been able to uh, I think build a a much more reliable consistent foundation than we're really used to for Vancouver Whitecaps teams because before it's always been kind of teetering close to the edge of falling apart I don't get that same feeling this this year I again it's one match but that's it looks like it's trending in that direction
1: yeah that's it right it's all kind of based on trends, what we saw this game and what we saw last, uh, last year as well as like just the moves, right? The kind of general direction of things. And yeah, it was, it was yeah, like you mentioned, I think for me the big thing was the defense because um, just how organized and disciplined they were in their shape. It's like you mentioned, theory, Vanny Sartini, he'll say it himself, he's a bit of a defensive coach, like he thrives in defense, He loves his his zones, his whatnot, but in practice, sometimes the Whitecaps have struggled to apply all of his philosophies. And I, for example, what I love, arguably my favorite part of this performance from the Whitecaps was out of the ball, they were controlling the game. And that's the hallmark for me of a good defensive team because you can be good defensively, but you're always kind of hanging on a bit, right? Like, it's kind of like maybe you're, you're, you're a rock climber and you're good at climbing with two fingers. You're kind of like, you know, ideally you'd like you just you'd like the the, the proper technique right you'd like the, the the proper deliverance you don't want to be like yeah you're good defensively but every game you're giving up you know five alarm chances you're lying on superhuman blocks and all that because it feels like that sort of defending just you're always due for for frolicking whereas this game what really stood out was that the white caps were in complete control out of the ball oftentimes, in the past, especially when they struggled at times last year, out of the ball, you're kind of like, okay, where's the breakdown coming? Where's the moment of, where's the cross that's just going to kill them? And you're like, oh, there it is. So white cap, see. Whereas in this game, without the ball, you were just like, I was in awe with the pressing, with how they were shifting side to side, how they were rotating their wing backs back at certain moments, but then keeping them aggressive. It was just Tigress was almost them themselves out of answers of, whoa, we have these patterns that we want to break down and we just, we can't and it was like the white caps, yeah, they didn't have the ball, but Tigress is just fizzing around the back, and there's no penetration, there's none of that verticality that Tigress can be so good at. And I think that was huge because the only moments that really happened came off individual errors that I think will mostly get weeded out as you know, a full lineup comes in and rust comes in. Like, I think that's encouraging because there was time last year where it felt like the white caps, even at their best, individual errors aside, they would just be too permissive, too easy to kind of play through in certain regards. And I thought that was uh, probably the biggest part for, for me because, again, that's what we've been saying since last year. If this team continues to attack at even 80% of what they were last year, that's not going to change too much. What are the difference between them becoming a contender and staying where they are or falling back? It's going to be that defense because last year, if they had a consistent defense, they could have easily been a top five team. A hundred percent. That's no doubt in my mind. I think it's encouraging to see game one. We saw a lot of growth in areas. We saw a better, you know, defensive allowing crosses into the box. Like instead of, you know, cap struggle with, with crosses, well, they did a good job. And this is where we'll need more sample size. It was a smaller pitch, so it's easier to defend width. but they, they did a good job of, you know, there weren't many crosses to Gignac who we know can, can, can capitalize in those sorts of areas. And then another example is out wide. For example, last year, Matias Laborda sometimes might have been a bit rash, a bit uh, aggressive in 1v1 situations. He was phenomenal. For me, he was my man of the match in, in this game. He was just so composed, so you know, solid in his defending. And uh, there were just examples of him cleaning up his mess 1v1 in transition, never really allowing anything to happen. And there were countless other moments. Pedro Vite tracking back and making a beautiful tackle in the first half. The wing back staying uh, organized. And I think all of that was really encouraging for me because a lot of times last year, defensively, the team was always, even when they kept that run of like six clean sheets, it was kind of like Yohei Takoka's on a bit of a heater. You know, you're kind of wondering when's it going to end. Whereas if they keep defending like this, uh, it, it's very encouraging to think that there could be a lot of ones and twos because I guess a team like Tigres really. Um, the fact that their only goal came off a free kick and yeah, they had some good chances, but I think it was cumulatively 16 shots and like 1.2 XG. That's great. That's like 0.07 XG a shot or 0.05. against a team like Tigres. You're taking that, like you're, you're giving up low, low danger looks and that's what you want.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I, I, I was going to bring up Laborda if you didn't, because that stood out to me again. I, I, the little thing about Axel Schuster saying that in the exit interview, how Matias, last the end of last season was like, man, I just want to keep playing because I think I've, I figured it out, you know, I know how to play in this league, and, you know, he showed near the end of last season that he was taking those steps, um, going up against guys like Denny Bulanga and and performing really well. And uh, I thought it was a, a really good jumping off point for, for Laborda this past Wednesday. And I think another thing that stood out to me defensively as well was the way they were able to not completely, but like largely deny Gignac those dangerous um, buildup moments where he's able to, um, you know, collect the ball and hold up play and then spring it wide for those, those dangerous crossing opportunities or, um, as you said, the kind of attacking patterns that Tigris wanted to create. Um, you know, I, I think just ultimately, when we talked about this a bunch because we talked about defensive tweaks and tactics, but just having Laborda there, having Tristan Blackman playing well or Udvik when he comes in, just putting a little bit less pressure on Ranko Veselinovic to do everything, uh, giving him a more like manageable task as a as center of that back line. I think it sh- it goes to show that yeah they just it was tough last season when they were asking Ranko to do everything and Blackman and Laborda or whoever else was in there were were taking risks and then leaving Ranko on an island that's where they got themselves in real trouble uh, but if these guys three can play as a unit uh, largely keep the game in front of them uh, like they did against Tigris, I think there's again we're we're not looking for the Whitecaps necessarily to be a top five defensive team in MLS that's not the that doesn't have to be the goal in order for this team to be successful um, and yeah I think there's a combination there of in terms of like the wingback spots it probably helped you obviously don't have your two preferred wingbacks there but because of the narrow pitch I feel like they got away with it a little bit there were times where both Raposo and Martins um, on on the BC place pitch it, they might have been out in an island in a bit of trouble, but it didn't really come back to bite them too badly because of uh, just the nature of the game and and the way it played out at Starlight Stadium. So I think, I think very encouraging first step Uh, you potentially don't have, you know, an influential defender in there as well in their, in their most recent addition. So uh, I, I think, you know, it can only kind of go up from here and it's a shame because Yohei Takaoka was having a pretty strong match up until that free kick moment and i mean it's it's geniac so i don't even know how much blame you could place uh but obviously wrong footed there a little bit but uh but i thought just in terms of his command of the box there were a couple moments where he came out and claimed or you know really just kind of took control of the situation and i don't know if we would have seen that at the beginning of last season
1: yeah well i'd say we talked about a a laborda improved performance i have to be encouraged by what you saw from Takoka. Goal aside, just I mean, look, it's the thing is with the free kick, it's it's hard to it's always gonna be hard to judge. Um, of course, getting beat at your near post like that's never good, just especially you set up the wall, you trust the wall. Um, but at the same time, that's that's the aura of a gignac, right? Like you he, he's one of those guys you kind of fear he'll find a way to break the wall, right? Will he get it over and you know, maybe Taco could cheated a bit, steps, you get burned. I think that's something he'd absolutely want back, but overall he also saved the team in huge moments. Like there was that half folly save when I, you know, I think it was uh, on, on uh, the Tigress left wing or the name just slipped my mind. Um, but there's a, f- and a few other saves where yeah, it was commanding, even in the box, he was getting up, he was making things happen, punching away, just trying to, 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 to be dominant, be assertive. And that's what you want from, from Tac Oak. And That's huge, right? We talked about defense and, you know, of course, Utvik uh, hopefully is going to help improve this defense, but also internally, right? Like can a second full year of Laborda and Takaoka help? And the fact that both of them were good in this game is huge because I think it's important to mention uh, this Whitecaps team was missing their best defender, in my opinion, or at least best defensive player. And that is Andres Kubas. Of course, he's not actually a defender, but, to think about, okay, yeah, you had this solid performance and you're without Kubas, it shows that, okay, you're going to need Laborda, you're going to need Takaoka, uh, you know, Blackman, Veselinovich, they they, they blend nicely with Laborda and this one, the wing backs, Heck, it shows it's going to be in the press. Um, you know, the, the way that White and gold were pressing and man, I think, honestly, I'll put it now, I think Fafa Pico might end up becoming a fan favorite if he keeps playing like that. Like, you know, if, End product aside, he is just an absolute dog. Like the way he was running, I think the one moment that stood out to me that was just like, oh yeah, this he's gonna be a fan favorite was I think it was when he was in like the corner. Tigress is number six, had the ball calmly, like looked up, scanned, calm. Pico comes sprinting in like 15 yards, two-foot slide tackle, cleans out the six, wins the ball cleanly somehow goes the other way they get a chance. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's the sort of effort that will endear you to, to Vancouver fans. So Yeah, sh- shout out to Fafa Pico in that regard and the energy he'll bring. But that's key, right? Because that's what you're going to need defensively as well from the Whitecaps is we talked about it a lot at times, the defense struggling, and certainly that was a huge part of it. But at the end of the day, sometimes, especially in this modern game, the defense starts with your, your front three. It starts with making sure you kind of at least – you know, some, sometimes that's the thing that can be kind of misinterpreted with the press is that you went you high press, you have to be winning the ball in the final third all the time. You have to be creating dangerous actions. Sometimes a good press can just be like, oh, you're out of position. Your forwards know how to foul, know how to just slow down the game and let everyone get behind the ball. Or they know how to make a player turn back so that your midfielder who's caught up the Fitch can get back into his shape or someone can fill in. And I think also the Whitecaps, their press was good in that regard is that they were always constantly, you know, keeping themselves from getting vulnerable, from getting beaten in, in that regard. So, yeah, I think uh, individuals were a huge part, but also just, yeah, the little things that you're seeing from uh, contributors across the, the pitch uh, also stood out, I think, in, in that regard. So, definitely a big plus.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that. I think, as you mentioned with, like, Kubas being your best defender, I just think across that four in front of the back three, really in this match, right? You had Raposo and Martins, you had Vite and Schopf. Realistically, only one of those players is staying in that lineup in your ideal midfield four, right? I think, um, shout out to AFTN, did did an interview with Danny Sartini recently and he was chatting about tactics and it sounds like, at least for now, Vanny's thinking Atakubi and Ahmed as those wide midfield wingbacks and Vite and Kubas in a in a double pivot of sorts, or you know it depends on what they're doing in a given match in the midfield. But really, it's going to be Kubas, Ahmed, Atakubi, and Vite across that midfield. And you know, I think in theory that makes the back threes life a bit easier than than what they had to deal with uh, against Tigris. So. Um, we're probably going to see, I mean, in terms of lineup, I, I don't anticipate there's going to be overly dramatic changes from last Wednesday. So I, w- I wouldn't hold your breath for that just yet. I mean, obviously Ahmed's still out longish term out of Kubi, as we said, I think the start of the regular season is really the goal there. And then Kubas, um, yeah, sounds like it. it obviously is a little bit more serious than expected because Alex, you were saying before the show, he didn't even make the trip to the island. I mean, it's not a long trip, so I guess I, guess I can understand. But uh, but nonetheless, it wasn't like he was 50-50 to play um, over in Langford. It's you know obviously something he's been dealing with a little bit. So um, unsure of his exact status for this one, but I'd be pretty surprised. Certainly surprised for him to start, and uh, we'll see if he gets any any minutes in this one. But yeah, I think that's encouraging. The you know like the complexion of that that midfield four, um, and I think that should should really alleviate some pressure from that back line, but, but maybe they won't need it if they if they take a step forward this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, we're not going to see Kubas this game unless he's genuinely 100% because, yeah, like, of course, you'd love to keep going in Champions Cup just looking again at the draw. Like, you play the winner of Calvary Orlando, you'd fancy those matchups. Then you get an All-American matchup of either a Columbus, a St. Louis – um, or the or a Houston. You'd fancy those matchups. That gets you to a semi if you win all of those, right? Like in there, you could f- face a Monte Day. It's going to be tough. You just have to get past grass, But at the same time, like we mentioned, it's not worth getting a one week of Kubas now to potentially make that happen. Not even guaranteed, potentially, just to risk losing him for three, right? So I think that's, well, we're unlikely to see him unless all changes. But that kind of leads me to the one player I really want to highlight. Uh, pretty much the last, yeah, the last one I'd say we we could definitely dive into. Lots of good standout performances. I mean, we've shouted out pretty much the entire back line. Just want to say as well, like Ryan Gold, as well. We're kind of joking in the press box in the game. It's funny that, like, at this point, we're gonna have to start giving out like a non Gold man of the match. Uh, some sometimes just because it was like he was so good against Tigres and you're like, okay, we're not We're gonna talk about LeBord, we're gonna talk about this next player I'm gonna t- dive into just because you're you know, they deserve praise and they, they did played such a key role, but you're like, just don't forget that goal was also dominant. was creating chances. Uh, could have had a couple of assists if if all had gone well, he was shooting the ball too, which we said we want to see more from him. Uh, so that was good. But I think the real, you know, the big reason that Kubas wasn't so missed and I think it's going to be exciting to see these two together. It's Pedro Vite. He was absolutely exceptional. I think it must be said uh, we weren't even expecting him to play after he'd just come back or at least not start after he came back from international duty. He gets asked to start. Uh, and you can see why. Uh, and I think the big thing is the emergence of Pedro Vite defensive stopper. Again, don't know how, how to feel about this three years ago. We remember sitting here, even I think two it was two years ago in 22 when Vanny was sitting there and being like, Yeah, we feel like Pedro has more to give in his defensive game. He is not, you know, showing enough defensively. And now you're like, he is a legitimate defensive threat, defensive uh, weapon, right? And uh, at the back and uh, with this play in midfield, and I think it's fascinating because we talked about Alessandro Schopf his pair, they ended up going for a bit more of a double pivot uh, with those, with those two. It was interesting to see the contrast because Schopf uh, he was a bit slow in his passing. He was struggling to penetrate the lines. His speed off the ball was noticeably a big issue in the times that Tigres did get transition moments, then on the ball, he kept drifting forward, but then maybe not, you know, not delivering a final pass, then getting caught out. Whereas Vite, he was just everywhere. He was playing those line breaking passes. He was spraying the ball around the field, but defensively, he was getting behind the ball. He made some phenomenal tackles, some great actions, and it was just an all-purpose game. And now all of a sudden, you kind of realize that, okay, maybe this a Vite-Kubas double pivot, especially if you're playing more of this kind of 3-4-3 three, three system, you could see, you can understand why Vanni Sartini, as you mentioned this week, sees Ali Ahmed as a bit more of a wing back. It could be something where you know maybe Ahmed ends up tucking in a bit more in possession to kind of to fill in, kind of like we saw with the Julian Gressel, right, where he was kind of s- siphoning, switching between both roles. A part of the reason that could work is if Vite and Kubas are holding it down in the middle, you don't have that responsibility for a third body in in midfield, and I think that's huge because. Now, with all the attackers that the Whitecaps have, they obviously want to go a bit front-heavy and width-heavy to make up for it. But you can only do that in the right midfield setup. And at times last year, we kind of talked about it. Other than that Berhalter-Kubas pivot, there weren't really many that could offer you that. And at the time, you know, Berhalter is just like, you got Vite, you got Ahmed, you want to start those guys. Well, if Vite is going to continue to play this defensive role, that kind of mitigates some of those concerns. So I think this Pedro-Vite development is huge. To see, I mean, we've kind of seen hints of it last year, him playing as a number six, but I don't know, for at least me personally, it's felt like the first time we really saw him blend the defense with the effect, uh, attack. We've kind of seen him shine on the ball in deeper positions, but we maybe haven't seen the defensive side. I thought he really showed in this game that uh, that could be a role for him going forward.
0: Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, I think if, if I kind of go through my index of Pedro Vite moments from last season, I remember just some some glimpses of, you know, where you take on a player one v one, or he'd win a ball in midfield, and you're sort of like, oh wow, that's that's something I didn't know if I'd see a year and a half, two years ago, and obviously Vanny's seen more and more of that. I think they're you know they're obviously thinking about his long term future too, right, and where where he has the most potential for growth. I think the reason why it makes sense to me to see Pedro a little bit further back um, is because this is, it's always been apparent with Pedro on the ball that the game is moving slowly around him. It's not too fast. It's not panic. He has that, just that bravado and that confidence and that understanding of the game that it doesn't, it doesn't get too fast. It doesn't get away from him. He's, he always feels like he has time and space out there, even when things are hectic. And I think that applies on the defensive side of the ball as well. Like he doesn't, he's not rushed or panicked. He just makes the critical move, the critical intervention at the right time. He he reads the game. He sees what's coming. It was just, I think, getting into those patterns and being a little more comfortable doing that on a regular basis. I think the, the footballing IQ was always there. It was just kind of, realizing that he could be an engaged in a, a positive defender. I think before it seemed like when he came to Vancouver, it was all just about get me on the ball and like everything else doesn't matter. It's like, Oh, just give me the ball and I'll figure it out from there. But I feel like Vanny has helped uh, Pedro discover how to be, you know, a more complete player. Again, I think he always had a lot of these traits. It just kind of has taken a while to, Um, for him to discover them and for him to find a fit within this team that really maximizes what he's capable of. And yeah, I think in terms of the shape we're going to see going forward, I think what's exciting about, um, you know, Ahmed in a wide role, I know some people really want to see Ahmed in the middle of the park, but I think that, you know, when Vite gets forward and joins the attack, Ahmed's going to tuck in a bit more centrally. Then when, when Ahmed runs forward, you know, Vitae can push a little bit wider. Like there's going to be flexibility. We know Vanny systems are very fluid. So, um, and I'm sure we'll see Ahmed in the middle at some point, you know, based on matchups based on, um, you know, Pedro Vite might get some starts up front as well as, you know, kind of like a, a number 10 below Brian Gold and Brian White. Um, nothing is set in stone with Vanny Sartini, but uh, man, so encouraging. I mean, yeah, if if Pedro can can look that good in this new position against Tigres, uh, I think he's going to do all right this season. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. I'm excited, though.
1: Yeah, and then again, there's flexibility. We saw Laborde drift a lot forward as well, kind of like he did last year. Sometimes he almost plays as a right back. He does that. Ahmed can tuck in, right? Or as we also saw in the second half, Pico, when he comes in, he likes to hug wide areas. Maybe he... If he's starting, he hugs the wide area that allows Ahmed to drift central. We saw it a lot with Gressel last year. I'd say with Ahmed, I think especially for him as the national team prospects, it's best if he uh, is getting midfield reps. So as long as it's an auxiliary role where he's kind of, you know, sometimes you're defending out wide, sometimes it's a middle. I think that's, hopefully that's what we can, uh, what we can see. But yeah, Vite makes a huge difference because yeah, at times last year, I remember we'd say like, ooh, based on how things were going, Gould as an 8, Vite as a 10 kind of made sense. And it's something where at the time it made sense. But as we've seen, just naturally, Gould's got a lot of end product. You want him higher up the field. He's just, he's very good at that. That's, uh, That's just an assessment of his offensive skill. Vite maybe doesn't always have that end product, but what he is very good at and we kind of sleep on in his game is his ball progression. I think that's also the thing you have to remember. He's just an elite ball progressor. And in this it, this it works because when paired with someone like Ryan Gold, you need to get him the ball and having someone like Vite on the pitch you can progress. I mean, I'm just looking through here his 2023 MLS stats when it came to other midfielders cuz obviously he had enough reps to be considered as both an attacking midfielder and a winger just for curiosity. As an attacking midfielder, he was 92nd percentile in progressive passes. As a midfielder, he's 90th percentile. That shows no matter what, he is one of the best at getting the ball up the field, uh, you know, with speed. And it, I think that's uh, a that, that's, you know, that's a huge stat just because uh, the Whitecaps, as we said, at times, a, a worry was how can you get the ball to white and gold? Um in the best ways uh, possible, and I think having P- Vite kind of be that link between Akubas in the back three and the back five, to the galls, to the wing backs, too, when they're back. So you imagine out of Kubi is going to get forward a fair amount. Uh, Ahmed, if he's playing that right, you know, right wing back auxiliary role, he's going to need the ball too. I think Vite can uh, can provide that link play. So I think that's a bit of an underappreciated part. So I think no doubt, of uh, Vite at his best, he'll have end product in his game. We've seen it. He can get goals and assists. But when you have someone like a goal, but you're kind of missing a progressor, it's nice that he can fill in and now do so without sacrificing that that defensive defensive sign. And at the end of the day, if you have a an extra body like Vite, uh, who you can now trust defensively, that's only going to help your attacks. You know he's going to get forward. He's going to make things happen. He did that in this game. So yeah, for me, it's, a, it's all a plus. And well, uh, hopefully he can keep this up. But man, I think based on this i'll be uh, i'll be curious to see i feel like when we could do our preseason, uh, or not a preseason, but our season predictions uh we might be a bit bullish on what uh what pedro can bring to the table for 2024 and that's excited because man how long have we been waiting for him uh to have like a proper breakout season it feels like this year he could genuinely uh, make that that step towards uh mls you know one of the best in his position in mls which is exciting
0: yeah, we've been talking about it for a bit, that uh, that jump from, you know, hot prospect to uh, guy with the talent that, you know, European teams are clamoring over and he's, you know, poised to make a move. And it, it feels like with this tweak of position, uh, the way he seems to be comfortable in it, there's certainly that potential. And yeah, Alex, I think we're maybe hinting, you know, Laborda, Vite, some guys we think might be trending. Uh, this season and you know if the Whitecaps are going to be successful they, they could be a huge part of it so looking ahead a little bit the, the one thing that's been rattling through my mind is just the approach the Whitecaps are going to take down in in Mexico um, you know in the cauldron um, that, as you said you know the Whitecaps not only did a pretty good job on the ball uh, but even really dictated in some ways without the ball at Starlight Stadium, it, it has to be. It's going to be a little bit different um, in a away Tie, um, knowing what they have to do as well to to progress through the next round. I mean, how do you think that the how do you think the Whitecaps will? How do you think the Whitecaps should uh, approach this match? Because uh, as we said, probably not a lot of lineup changes, but maybe some tweaks in terms of the approach.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh it's gonna be interesting. I think this is the one area where the goal really hurts because I think ultimately a goal wouldn't have hurt as much in certain scenarios, but the one area where it really does hurt is the away goal and the uh, the fact that the Whitecaps cannot advance unless they score a goal. Uh, you know they can't even tie right without scoring a goal with away goals in effect. Um, so that's gonna be huge because they're they're gonna need to attack. You say they are up two one, it's a different story, but no, it's tied. They're down on away goals. So I I'm, I'm I'm going to be curious but I think this Whitecaps team I think we see you know kind of a similar situation where uh, they 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 kind of want to sit try to control off the ball sit back in possession try to cut out space for Tigres and be uh, annoying in that way but again just continue to press so I think really to to answer in, in simple terms I'd say they just keep up the approach they have I think it was a good balance of playing defensively and being organized while also offering a threat on the front foot and in the attack, so I'd say something pretty similar. We can kind of dive into lineups and you know before we predict and and, and end off. But I'd imagine the lineups stay pretty similar. Maybe we end up seeing a burhalter start from the get-go just for a bit more defensive balance alongside of Vite, uh, assuming no Kubas. I and mean, maybe we see a bit of a Pico just to get that extra element of pressing right from the start that. Uh, you know turn that defense in the offense cuz yeah i think ultimately against tigress tigress is going to want to control the game they're going to want to get the white caps out of it early so the white caps going to have to be solid defensively and also be ready to to try and catch tigress exposed in a transition moment and i think someone like a pico could uh, could be key in that regard so definitely definitely going to be interesting but i think what's nice is for the white caps you kind of have nothing to lose cuz if you go out and you you lose well, like we mentioned This is kind of a bonus at this point. This is experience. This is only the second time they've played in Mexico in their MLS history, if I'm not mistaken, um, at least in a competitive setting. So that's huge. Like This is a good chance to test yourself. Why not go with the approach you tried and see how you fare? And either you kind of catch Tigres by surprise or you end up learning uh, a bit of a lesson uh, in that regard. But but the fact that you have to go for it a bit anyways to win, I feel like uh, we might see them... You know, kind of have a bit of that edge we saw in leg one, where they're a lot more aggressive than some were anticipating.
0: Yeah, that was the one wrinkle I was looking at, just based on the what Fafa showed late on, in that first leg. Uh, I have to think that he might get a start, um, just just in terms of like a tone setter, right? To to get that energy early on, to to make sure your team's in the match. It kind of seems like the the perfect thing there. I just wanted to look at you know it's obviously for the White Caps this is the only focus right now other than preseason preparations but for Tigres they're in the middle of a a clajura push right and so they absolutely smashed Santos Laguna this past weekend and you know a a pretty full strength lineup for them as well so I wonder what degree of rotation we'll see. On Wednesday night, uh, Gignac started up front and then you had Brunetta with who we highlighted on the last show with two goals um, starting kind of as that advanced midfielder, um, even as also the, their other striker, striker also started the match so and, and scored a goal as well. So, um, you know, they, they had all their dangerous attacking pieces out on the pitch. Uh, Carioca started in midfield. Uh, so pretty, you know, full-strength lineup all around. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, I, I, Gignac did come off early in this match, uh, as did Brunetta. So I, I wonder how rested those guys are feeling. Um, you know, maybe maybe one potential respite for the for the Whitecaps a little bit is if there's a, a touch of rotation there. Um, because, you know, obviously Tigres will ha- have another match this upcoming Saturday. As well, but uh, they obviously want to progress and uh, and are going to understand that the White Caps are a, a serious threat after what they experienced on the island.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Tigres as well did leave some key players out. It's kind of a bit mix, and I think that's kind of what we saw in Tigres in the first leg. It was a mix of the regular. That's just the nature of a deep squad, right? They left out Juan Pablo Vigón from the start, Sebastian Cordova. Um, Luis Enrique Quiñones I could see all those guys potentially, um, you know, getting starts and uh, based in this game. So I think that's the one thing with Tigres, they are deep and they offer you a bit of different looks. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, either way to see some of those, those names. But it is important to mention that, yeah, they were away to Santos Laguna, pick up the 3-0 win to uh, you know, remain in the, the, the hunt for another league MX title. They remain tied at the top with America and Monterey on 14 points from six games over two points per game, just showing the uh, the level that they're currently continuing to operate at. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it feels like either way Tigres is going to go for it. I think if you're Tigres, you look at that draw, like I mentioned, right? The same reason the White Caps are going to look at that draw. Like if you're Tigres, you're going to fancy yourself against an Orlando or Cavalry uh, you're going to fancy yourself against St. Louis, Houston, or Columbus. And then, uh, you know, maybe Monterey in the semis, you'll be a bit, you know, you'll, that's that's the big worry for Tigres, but they'll think, oh, yeah, we get past this Whitecaps team. We were in pretty good stead. So I think we could see them uh, go for it either way. And we see a steady dose of, uh, you know, some of the regulars and maybe a bit more of a Brunetta who didn't play in the uh, away leg. But he looks like someone that we've, I mean, we highlighted him before, the price tag, the profile, even the brief clip brief glimpse we got of him on the island, like he looks like we could he could be a key player for Tigres, so I think we he's kind of the one I'd hone in on as someone we maybe see a bit more of uh, in this game along with the those re- regular suspects.
0: Something else I didn't mention, but I wanted to, to highlight too, maybe before we dive into lineup and score here, is that the whitecaps did, you know, okay, yes, they do concede on a set piece. But I thought from corners, something that we noted that Tigris was very dangerous. Um, the White Caps did a really good job holding up, defending those set pieces. I wonder um, does that become a factor in this second leg? I, I feel like Tigris is going to have some answers, some, some tactical wrinkles on those set plays to try to give the White Caps some trouble. So uh, I think that's something to watch out for. Obviously, we tapped Laborda and Takoka as guys that look good and have made some improvements in the off season. Can they keep that up? Uh, can that continue to uh, to fare well for the Whitecaps? I, I think that's something to watch for in the second leg. But uh, without further ado, Alex, we want to dive into to what we're thinking in terms of lineup and then score.
1: Yeah, let's do it. May as well um, for the big game. Don't have much else to to dive into this week. So yeah, let's just dive into it. In terms of the lineup, I mean, to start, I personally, again, don't expect many changes. Like Caps didn't play on the weekend, not many changes in the injury department. I'd expect Atakaoka, Laborda, Veselinovich, Blackman, you know, goalkeeper plus back three. Don't think we'll see Utvik yet. Uh, I was hoping we could get get a run from him uh, and, uh, you know on the island just to see five, 10 minutes, but I imagine that maybe would have been the plan if it was 2-0 and they, they got that chance versus the you know, tight game. You don't want to throw in a new center back. So, yeah, back three will stay the same. Um, I'd imagine kind of like we predicted leg one where I was saying I expect Reposo and Martinez just for the more tra- traditional wing backs. I'd expect those two to kind of run it back. Maybe we see a Reposo on the left and a Brown on the right. Cause Brown did come on. We didn't, you know, really see much of him just because by the time he, he came on pretty uh, pretty late. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a low event uh, period of the game, other than Tigris winning the free kick and scoring off of it. So maybe we we see some Brown and, and Raposo, but otherwise I wouldn't expect too much change there. I'd think we see Verhalter, Vite, uh, just shop, I think, especially in, in the Mexican heat uh, away, the bigger field. He's, if he was struggling a bit on the lower field, no need to start him and, and risk that. Then up front, I think, like we say, white, gold, Pico. I think go for the legs of Pico, the pressing, the energy because um, you're going to need that, especially in transition, if you're winning back those transition moments. You're going to need Pico. Krylak was great in the first leg. Uh, we're going to see a lot of starts from him, which is exciting. If he can keep up the play he showed, but I just think for this game, bring him off the bench. I think the, the fresh legs of Pico from the start will uh, will help the Whitecaps, I think, in their game plan. So that's probably what I'd expect to see, and I'd imagine you'd probably say something similar.
0: I was going to say, we spend probably too much t- Time covering this team together because thoughts are very similar. I guess my only question is, yeah, what do they do with the the shop Berhalter dynamic? Uh, you know, hey, what do you want to do, chasing the game versus kind of keeping the game in control? Um, where do you where do you think that uh, those guys fit in best? Uh, I would definitely, you know, be in the Berhalter camp, and then yeah, maybe if you want to, you're just throwing a bunch of bodies forward late on. Uh, Schopf can come on, and you know, has has some bright moments at times in and around the final third, the the final pass has been lacking a little bit, but there is, you know, there is some quality there for sure. I don't want to deny that. So um, I, I think that's the one spot where I'm still not a hundred percent, but, but as we mentioned, I feel like Pico is a bit of a no brainer. And then Krylov. you know, if you're, if he comes on late and you're looking for a goal that, that feels like a real threat as well. Uh, and then, yeah, I wonder what, you know, What's the role for a guy like Javain this season? I think that's an interesting, like, deep storyline. Maybe not a not a not a top plot point, but uh, given the way the Whitecaps are gonna, you know, change things tactically a little bit, does he serve as a as center back depth? Does he play in that uh, in that wide role a bit more? Um, we've seen him kind of be a volume guy who crosses at times. We've also seen him look. Decent in a back three and, you know, famously, that was sort of the scouting report out of college is that he was a back three center back. That was kind of his thing. So um, how yeah, Javane's still a player, it's, it's frustrating. Cause there, there is a lot of quality there, uh, but just the consistency lacks at times. So I wonder what the Whitecaps do with him. There was some, some chatter obviously last season about a, a potential move as well. So uh, I, I don't actually mind the, the outside uh, Javane Brown shout, I wouldn't mind Brown and Raposo. We'll, we'll see what they do Um, in terms of the physicality. I mean, down in Mexico, I think that that might make a little bit more sense, but you know uh, as much as Martins has become a little bit of a, of a whipping boy in you know, white cap circles, like it's been, I feel like he just gets a bad, he just, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you want martins to be that ideal magical left foot wide player that i think vanny sartini imagines he can be but it just that it doesn't seem to come good often enough Um, but ultimately i think they probably given the way the whitecaps played in the first leg you just opt for that consistency going into the second one but yeah with gervain i just i wonder what they do with him this season
1: yeah i think with martins it's like I thought he was solid on the island. He had some early hiccups, but I thought he cleaned things up and, you know, it was, was overall it was a solid game. I think for here, it's more the physical side because as we saw, there's kind of been a reason why we've seen him a lot more left-center back last year as well, right? Like, it's that that output, that physical output you need out wide. And I think on a wider field, that elbow kind of could make sense to go Brown and Raposo, especially that Brown has that experience playing away in CONCACAF could also be a value to consider the physical tools as well. But uh, yeah, I guess on that note, let's just dive right into our predictions to end off this uh, 192nd episode of the third sub. I think last week, my memory is slipping. I I predicted a 1-1, right? Or I was very close to it. Or did I go for the loss? Did I go for the 1-0 loss? I can't quite remember. But uh, I
0: think- I don't know, we're going to- we're gonna have to go back and, and check the tape because I, I think we were all kind of we were both on the same page where it was gonna be either like a one-nil Tigress victory or a one-one. We were, we were definitely in that um in that playing field. I think I said two one loss. Yeah.
1: I think, and so uh, you were I
0: you were you were either one one or one nil, but honestly I can't remember.
1: I'll have point. to listen back and check. But either way, I, I was I'm pretty confident with what I uh what I put out. I'll I'll go first this time, see so what first last time. I think this one, ultimately, I think it'll be like 2-1 tigress. I think Tigress will do enough to advance. Maybe it'll be 1-1 for a bit and they flirt with penalties. Ultimately, I just think with the road, it being early in the white cap season, they make a game of it, but ultimately they come up short and like we mentioned, no shame against a team like, uh, like a tigress. Um, So o- overall, I'd say 2-1 competitive match. Maybe Jing just continues his streak of absolutely loving the score against the White Caps and, and breaks their the, the hearts at the end or, or something like that. But uh I still think it'll be a close one.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go a little bit more positive this time. I still don't think the White Caps make it out of the tie, but I'm gonna go one-one again. Um, you know, a, a good performance for the White Caps, but but ultimately um, not enough to to get the job done in the end. Um so oh, yeah well I that would
1: this... go to penalties so you'd have to predict the penalties so,
0: so exactly so I, I i'm predicting another another Tigris penalties victory um same as same as league's cup last season that's that's my thought there uh well I, I, you know i, I was really oh, well, sorry go ahead well let's say
1: bonus is a bonus question what what antic does nahuel guzman pull off that we're not expecting <laughs> if it goes to that
0: uh oh my goodness uh well we got the we got the miming and like the the carnival tricks last season right so maybe maybe this time he you know turns his back to the shooter until moments before the final shot
1: <laughs> or something maybe he pulls like pulls something out of his sock right like he saw qatar at the asia cup the guy super cool by the way akram afif he scores pulls a card out of his sock shakes it at the camera magic trick maybe maybe guzman's a bit of a magician and has something like that up his sleeve
0: so fact fact check there. I don't know if you're a hundred percent in this, but does it go straight to penalties if it's one one at the at the end of uh
1: as far as one, I'm aware I'm, do pre- we get I'm pretty sure they kept no away goals, but it goes straight to a penalty shootout. That's uh, as far as I'm aware, aware, it happened maybe once or twice uh last year. I could be wrong. Okay, so I guess don't fully quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it's straight depends.
0: These these things are a moving target with the way they're you know changing the name, changing the competition, stuff like that. But yeah, I think after seeing what I saw um, this past Wednesday, I, I sort of, you know, rate the White Caps' ability to go out there and compete and make things interesting. I, I think perhaps your prediction is a little more realistic, but I'm I'm sort of betting on uh, hoping for an interesting match and that the white caps at least, you know, keep things in the balance until the very late stages.
1: Actually, let's cor- correction this is good to check the rules. At least it appears. Um, so all the rounds except the final, which I find hilarious. There's no away goals in the final, fun fact. But all the rounds use away goals. But if they're tied on aggregate and away goals, so like a one-one, there is extra time. But the caveat is that we don't see this in Europe. The away goals go away for extra time. So there it's just whoever has the most goals. Um, you know, so if like so example, if the way we went to extra time, the White Cap scored Tigres ties. It wouldn't go to a white caps win. It would go to a pen- penalty shootout. Um, so I think that's a bit interesting. I always liked that though, because technically you're supposed to have the advantage of the team that hosts the second leg. so technically the fact that you play 30 extra minutes, they'd count as away goals for this away team. It uh, was always a bit of an advantage. And I did kind of hate that about UEFA extra time. I wish they kept away goals. Don't get me wrong. I hate the new away goalless format. It kind of takes drama away from like leg ones, I find um you could argue that away goals takes away from leg twos but i don't know i like the idea of knowing what you need to to do in leg two to to overcome i i just i think this is good the extra time rule because yeah, man there are a few times in UEFA where i guess it would add chaos right where it's like it's tied and you know that you need another goal but yeah so that's the rule it's good to know good to confirm that's new because last year it went straight to penalties and yeah, I guess this is a, it's a good medium of where you're actually at least giving half an hour to potentially be decided on the field, but not with some awkward like extra time away goal.
0: So now now knowing that, I will just, my prediction is essentially either allowing a goal in extra time or losing the penalty shootout. I don't know, I don't know which, but I think the Whitecaps take it to 1-1 at the end of uh, regular time. And then we we see where it goes from there. But I think, you know, against Mexican opposition finding that finding that little thing you need to push it over the line is is a big challenge they seem to they seem to rise up in these moments and as you said i think for for Tigres especially the the pathway towards a cup final is you know they have to be looking at that thinking man this is a huge opportunity um, Cause really up until facing a Monterey or someone like that um, there's, there's a lot of potential in it. So uh, I think it's going to be a good match. I'm very much looking forward to it and uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things pan out.
1: Yeah, that's it. Hopefully again, it's uh, hopefully just a good game. Maybe for the fact that it is uh, February 14th, maybe people won't want extra time Just get the game over done with white caps, win tiger Tigris, win whatever may be the case, but I guess we'll see what ends up happening on uh, what's going to be a fun and chaotic CONCACAF day. And, and hopefully it's a good match day. I mean, tonight we have Tigres Forge. So, we not Tigres Forge, Chivas Forge. Uh, we got that Real Esteli Club America. Can Real Esteli, the Nicaraguans, pull off the upset against Club America? And can the Whitecaps dethrone the mighty Tigres? So much to watch for, but exciting as the MLS season rolls through again. Ridiculous that it's like eight days away. Technically, although for the Whitecaps, you, you can add like, 11 or so days because of the fact the first games in a midweek then there's a buy uh, et cetera. but as we tick down towards then we'll continue to talk about it here and on the socials and speaking of social you can find me on twitter at alex kongeruzik on instagram threads uh, at ag on the case and you can even find me on blue sky at alex kongeruzik because i saw that it was released publicly after being in beta testing um so you don't know, no longer the invite code needed uh, so we, you know we got accounts everywhere again it's we missed the good old days where there was a, an Elon list Twitter world and everything was kind of all concentrated there but unfortunately the realities are that things are being split up and uh'll I'll be trying my best to, to keep a social presence uh, as much as possible with all this soccer going on so much to cover right don't wanna don't want to be missing a moment and ditto for this game week so yeah definitely stay tuned for for all that.
0: Absolutely, you can find me as always at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter at the third sub dot da. Um, all our latest coverage. You can check out the report card if you want to, you know, revisit what happened in the first leg. Take a look at some of the individual performances, uh, and then we'll be back on the pod after this too, to to recap what happened. As Alex mentioned, get ready for the start of the MLS regular season. Make some predictions. Uh, you know get a little wacky uh, as we tend to on the third sub i think that'll be fun and uh yeah we'll be with you whether it's on the podcast or in written form every step of the way i would shout out to anyone who made it this deep in the show um we are looking for some new writers this season on the third sub so you know especially if you're interested in canadian premier league league one stuff want to try your hand covering the beautiful game in bc Uh, give us a shout. There's a Google form on our website. Um, And yeah, we we look forward to chatting again soon. Uh, Have a good week, everyone.